Good morning, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off the first chapter of Babakama, page 13a, on the top, the fourth line from the top. Dedicate this class, our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land. All the injured should be healed and all the uh, all the uh, hostages should be released. Uh, and the soldiers in the front line should be safe and should triumph. So, Kufa, he quotes the Braise that we quoted yesterday. Learning the Braise, Rabbi Yitzhak, he says, It says, So, that the kichish means we go. We the kichish is sandwiched between by Hashem, Hashem, where he was treacherous to Hashem and to his friend. So we're talking about the type of treachery which is both simultaneously was treacherous to Hashem and treacherous to his friend. That's referring to if his friend asked him to watch for him, catch him, call him, peace offering. And asks him to watch for him, and then he denies it. He swears falsely, and then he comes clean. So he's obligated for the treachery. He not only has to pay back the principal, he has to pay on top of that twenty-five percent, which, when you add it to the principal, becomes a fifth. And he has to bring the guilt offering of Sham coming to teach me that that this is considered the, his friend, it belongs to his friend, even though it's a sacred sacrifice, it's designated to a sacred sacrifice, it's Kachim, but it's also his friends, because Kachim Kalim. Benazay says, the Braitha continues, now he's bringing us the, con- the continuation of the Braitha. Benazay says, Lenabes Ashlamim. He's coming to add like a peace offering. That's what Yesu Aglili means. Yesu Aglili means like a peace offering. So it's a designated sacrifice, but it's Kachim Kalim. It's the part, the offering which most of it the, the owner will get to eat from. And in, in Yerushalayim, it's not the same severity and strictness of the Kachim Kachim. Only a Koyin can eat it, only in the courtyard. And only the males. Yesu in the study, Yesu in the study, and he says, Leomra ben Azai el Vukhebovar. No, ben Azai. He argues in the name of Benazi. He says, no, ben Azai. I'm sorry, you said the name ben Azai. Ben Azai is explaining, Yesu is referring to peace offering. He says, no. Yesu is talking about a Bukhur. Only a Bukhur. Only a firstborn. That a firstborn is considered as if the owner owns it, and therefore you're obligated for the treachery, all like all the same way. You're obligated if you swear falsely, and someone gives you his private, his private uh, animal to watch. Okay, that's the The mutimai, what's he coming to exclude? you can say He's coming to exclude the firstborn that that's not considered belonging to your friend. And therefore, if you swear falsely and you deny and then you come clean, you're, not, you're exempt from the, the guilt offering and the extra payment and the penalty. You can't say that. Because if shlomim, which is stricter, shlomim is a more stricter sacrifice, more stringent than a firstborn. Because you have to lean, the owner of the peace offering has to lean his hands, fully lean on the head of the animal, 
before you slaughter it. Also in the Sochim, you have to bring a libation. The animal sacrifice has to be accompanied by libation, a wine libation. You have to lift up with the hands and the Kayan together with the owner and the hair. You lift up the offerings that you give to the Kayan, the thigh and the and the Chazav. No, the Chazav And nevertheless, Amit, you say, hey, who you say is considered as if the owner owns it and you're, li- and you're obligated with his treachery. Bechor, a firstborn. The boy who doesn't have any of these stringencies. You don't have to lean your hand on the on the animal. There's no nesachim. There's no libations that accompany a firstborn, and um, and there's no lifting. How much more so that if you are treacherous and you swear falsely and you come clean, you have you're obligated in all these obligations. Elo rather, Rabbi Echanan, is coming to say, Muti is coming to exclude Maisa. I, the tenth and the tenth, every tenth animal you have to give, you have to offer as a sacrifice. Firstborn, it says, you're not allowed to redeem it. It doesn't say you can't sell it. It says that you can't redeem it. You can't redeem it. And therefore, Nimkartam I'm allowed to sell a perfect animal, a firstborn animal that's alive, and the buyer will bring it to the base of English. Or, or if it, it has a defect, he'll, he'll eat it. He'll then be able to eat the animal. But if he slaughters it outside the base of Migdash, then you're not allowed to benefit from it. Because it's like a sacrifice that was offered, that was brought outside the temple. You're not allowed to benefit from it. But if the firstborn is Baal Muhammad, it has a defect, I'm allowed to sell it. Whether it's alive or whether it's slaughtered. By the mice and by the tenth, the tithe animal, the tenth animal, it says, You're not allowed to redeem that therefore in a nimka you're not allowed to sell it under no circumstances I'm allowed to sell it not when it's alive not when it's slaughtered not if it's perfect not if it's even if it has a defect that's what he means that since he can't sell it there's no ownership you can't consider it ownership ownership is you have to be able to demonstrate ownership if I can sell it I'm an owner but if you tell me I can't sell it then I'm not an owner so therefore if I ask you to watch my uh, t- my tithe animal, and you swear falsely, it belongs to the temple. Doesn't belong to me. So there's no. You don't have all these penalties. You don't have to bring the, the sacrifice, the guilt offering. You don't pay the extra twenty five percent. Ravina Masla Sefer. Ravina brings that. Um, what we said earlier was going at the end of the brayse. The end when he says the end of the brayse when Abiyosi says that Benazai is only referring to the firstborn. What's he coming to exclude? The He's coming to exclude a peace offering that a peace offering is considered. As if it belongs to the temple, not to the owner. If the firstborn, which is holy from the moment it emerges from the mother's womb, 
from its mother's womb, it's considered holy. You don't you don't need the person to sanctify it. It's automatically sanctified. It's born holy. Like a Jew is born holy. You're born holy. It's from its birth. Its very existence is holy. It's not something that's acquired. It's not acquired. It's innate. So nevertheless, you say, you say the Torah considers it your personal private money. Shlamim. Peace offering which you have to sanctify. It's external. It's not innate. You have to sanctify. You have to impose that, that sanctity on it. Is any question that truly it's considered it belongs to the owner? Oh, but Rabbi Yechon, Rabbi Yechon says, Rabbi Yechon says, no, he's coming to the school. It's tithing, the tenth animal. It says he shouldn't redeem. It doesn't say he shouldn't sell. It says he shouldn't redeem. If I can sell it, if it's time, if it's perfect, it's alive, I can sell it. If it has a defect, I can sell it. If it's alive, if it's perfect and it's slaughtered, I can't sell it. But then it's, it's holy. It's, it's leftovers of a sacrifice. I can't sell it. But if it has a defect, then it no longer, it's no longer holy. I can sell it even if it's slaughtered. But by Meiser it says, Lo Yigol means, and we learn Lo Yigol, Gzeda Shava, from when you, when you excommunicate your property and you give it to the Kohenim. There it says, don't sell and don't you go. I can't sell it. No matter what state this tithing is, whether it's the animal is alive and perfect and ready for a sacrifice, I can't sell it and have the other Jew bring it as a sacrifice. Or if it's uh, defective and uh, it's slaughtered, it doesn't matter, I can't sell it. So therefore, there's no ownership. You don't own it. You can't sell it. You have to be able to demonstrate ownership. What do you mean I own it? It doesn't mean anything. You own it. What do you mean? But you can't do anything with it. Well, legally, that's not considered owning. But Abba Yaisi says it's only... Uh, he said, how can you say that Abba Yaisi is coming to exclude mice? Abba Yaisi said the name of Benaza. He's only saying it. So he's coming to exclude everything, not only Meiser. He's also, also coming to exclude Shlomim. Yimur says, Kasha, you're right. In the language, the language of Benaza, he's saying only, only Bechor, not peace offering, not Meiser, not a peace offering. He seems to be saying that only Bechor. That only Bechor, because Bechor is different. Since it's a gift to the Koyen. He said earlier, it's only in the case of a Bechor, it's a Chutzlar, it's not destined to bring a sacrifice. Only then do you consider it the owner. But if it's if it's um, if it belongs... If it's going to designate it as a sacrifice, in that case, he can say it belongs to the owner. I said earlier, we explained now, Mishnah, when the Mishnah says that you're liable for any damage that your axe does to any property that has no mi'ilo, because that means it doesn't belong to the temple. 
And we explained earlier what that means is that even the sacrifices. And Rabbi Yechonon said that our mission must go according to Rabbi Yechonon Galili. Because there's no me'ila and the sacrifice, a light sacrifice, kachim kalim, there's no me'ila until it's slaughtered. Before it's slaughtered, there's no me'ila if you use it for your own personal use. But even though it belongs to the temple, treasure, it belongs to the temple, it's a designated sacrifice, Rabbi Yechonon really hold, you're considered the owner. So Rava argues with that. Rava says, Rava argues, Rabbi Yechonon, Rava, my nechazim shemen me'ila, nechazim shemen din me'ila. He doesn't mean if practically, actually, it has meal or not. And therefore you ask the question, do you mean, so since if you're saying any possession, any, that does not have meal, if you ask gores or damages it, or, 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 you're, or is damaged by you, to your possession or your pit, whatever it is, you're liable. So you're saying that even a sacrifice is liable. He says, no, really, I'll tell you, our mission goes, follows the rabbis. That even Kachim Kalim are considered belonging to the temple. It's not your, you're designated as a sacrifice. Now it belongs to the temple, it's not yours. And therefore you're exempt. If your ox, if you, that animal is designated as a peace offering is damaged by your property, you're exempt. What does the Mishnah mean? But even though there's no Mila, it doesn't mean practically you have Mila. It means there's no Din Mila. By the, a designated sacrifice has Mila. Of course, there's certain parameters. We're not getting into the parameters exactly when. But at least it's a designated sacrifice. There is the concept of meal. Any animal with the concept of meal, meaning a sacrifice, at some point it's going to have meal. At some point in, in it's, it's going to have meal. Then you're exempt from damages. That's it. Meaning even before you have, technically you have meal. What's it coming to exclude? The head yet. An animal that belongs to a person. It's not a sacrifice. But if that's the case, according to Rabbi Velisim, let the mission state speak clearly. The hediot, you should say that it's only if your if your property does damage to an an animal that belongs to a hediot, to a simple person, to a regular person, not to the temple. The mother says kasha. Indeed, it's questionable. Rabbi Rabbi's explanation is questionable. Rabbi Yechonon's explanation stands. Okay, now, what if about, let's reverse this. Till now, we discussed if your animal did damage to a peace offering, an animal that was designated as a peace offering. What is the reverse? The, the animal that was designated as a peace offering did damage to your animal, to someone's animal. It gored. I'm, I'm sorry, a perfect animal that did damage. And the law states that you only, since it's innocent, it gored. And it's only the first time, the first three times, you pay half of the animal from the animal itself. If I did a million dollars worth of damage, the animal gored a prize horse, a rare breed. But the animal that gored is worth a hundred dollars, all you're getting is a hundred dollars. The question is, so he says when you evaluate, but it says you only when you evaluate, you pay half. You evaluate the meat, the value of the meat. After how much is it worth? How much would the animal be worth after you offer the peace offering? And then the majority of the animal, the meat, goes to the owner. So you have to evaluate what's the value of that meat. That's the amount that the damage you can collect, not more. You can evaluate the parts of the animal that's going to be offered on the altar. It's going to be burnt on the altar. 
the fat because because that goes to Hashem. That doesn't belong to the owner. So when you evaluate, you say the maximum you get is the value of the animal. It's only that part of the animal that belongs to the owner. No, we're talking about a tam. If it's a muad, then, then you, you, the, 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 you pay full price. I don't care. I'm not looking at the animal. Your estate is... is, is I mean, your estate, your, your, your possessions are all uh, responsible to pay, mortgageable. Doesn't... doesn't talking about right. You must have pshita, obviously. Why do you have to come to teach me? Of course, I'm, the, the parts of the animal that I'm offering on the altar, of course, that's not taken into account because it belongs to Hashem, not to you. Says, uh, I only need this. What Abba is coming to teach me is legal wisdom. Sudden can negate the mood. What Abba is coming to teach me, let's say an ox is worth $200. Or an ox is worth $200. One ox is worth $200. Gordon ox is worth $200. So you have to pay. He killed it. So you have to pay half of the damage, a hundred. So, but you pay half. So you pay half, half of the worth of the meat. And then, but if, let's say half of the worth of the meat doesn't come up to a hundred dollars. less than a hundred. When you have to pay half, does it make a difference whether it's a live animal or a animal? Oh no! Whatever. I mean, of course, the animal was with gourd was alive when it gourd. So whatever the worth of the animal. So it's worth more alive. Oh, you're saying what happens if the animal was alive? So you evaluate the value of the animal. Alive. Alive. But let's say the meat alone is worth more. The meat alone, half of the value of the meat doesn't come up to a hundred dollars. So then you leave it alive. But if you if you would take the animal's worth 200. Half of the animal is worth is 100. But the 100 is not just the meat. It's together with the fat or the other parts that you burn on the altar. So if you... Yeah, we're talking about Hagdish. We're talking about Hagdish. We're talking about if, if a peace offering gored another animal. That, that's our discussion. So if you evaluate half of its meat, the value of the meat... Let's say half of the meat, let's say the meat comes at 150, $150. Half of it is 75. But, but the, 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 um, the, the fat is worth $50. If you would take half of that, it would make up the 100. So he says, you don't, you don't but you can't give the fat because it's being offered to Hashem. So you would think, maybe let me make up, let me take $25 off the meat to add to the 75s to make them whole, that should give them the full 100. That's what he comes to say, you don't, you don't take more than half of the value of the meat to make up for, for half of the fat, which he, which he can't pay, which, he, which doesn't go into the equation. You don't do that. That's what he's coming to say. So the mother says, "Why?" According to according to the rabbi, which opinion the rabbi follow? And if according to the rabbis, according to them, shit is obvious. The rabbi said that if two people damage together, 
You don't say each one has to pay half. So you don't say if one can pay his half, let me make up for it by charging the other one. Just because this one can't pay what, what he has to pay, you can't make up for it. You can't make up for it by, by charging the other one. So too, just because the meat, half of the meat, is not enough to make the full hundred, it's only 75, it doesn't mean you get to make up for it, so I have to pay, I have to put in an extra 25 for my meat, so you're not getting half of my meat, you're getting more than half of the damage to make up for the fat that you can't collect, they don't say that. So obviously you can't. I'll leave it with Rav Nasa, according to Rav Nasa, Omar, Rav Nasa, and it says, like Shalom, if one of the damages can't pay his half, his share, you get to collect from the other one. The other one has to make up for it. The argument there between the rabbis of Rav is talking about, let's say, someone's axe pushed, pushed his friend into a pit. So I have the pit, and exactly, and the axe. So if one can do his share, the owner of the pit, according to the rabbis, is exempt. I didn't do anything. Your axe pushed him into my pit. So you're fully responsible. Now, on the other hand, he says, if you wouldn't have had a pit, my, my axe is good pushing, you push him nowhere. So he only has to pay half. If he's a tam, if he's an innocent, he pays a quarter. Half of his half. The pit owner doesn't pay anything. And the pit owner doesn't make up for the three quarters that the, that the damage he is losing. If he's a tam, if he's a muid, he has to pay half. That's 50-50. So he pays the full half. But again, the owner of the pit doesn't have to make up the other half. And nothing says no. That, that he has to make up whatever he doesn't pay. So if he only pays a quarter, you pay three quarters. If he's a muid, he pays half, you pay half. So same thing over here. The part that belongs to, the, to, the, to Hashem that's being going to be offered on the sacrifice, the fat. So the fat doesn't have to make up for, I'm exempt. I'm, you, you did the damage. You pay. You pay half of you. Half of you is, is $75, not $100. I mean, half of the damage. You only pay half. It all plays out. The mother says, "Eat by same if you want. Eat by same if you want. I'll answer you, Rab Nason. Eat by same if you want. I'll explain to you how this is consistent with Rabban. The opinion of the rabbis. Eat by same with Rabbanon." It's, it's two different years, two different people. One owns the ox and one owns the pit. It's one animal. I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay. Even the rabbis will agree that you're, uh, you're obligated. I'm going to pay whatever I can from, your, from the body of the animal. Even consistent There he says that you are liable. Because there, the owner of the access, the owner of the pit, I find my axe sitting in your, lying in your pit. So you can't tell me you're not responsible. What do you mean not responsible? My animal is lying dead in your pit. 
my the less what I can get from the other one, I'm gonna get from you. You're gonna pay. You continue on side B. Avalach over here, me melts armor, botsar azik and munali azik. Could he tell him, well, my meat, my meat did damage, but the fat did not do damage. Obviously, they both did damage together. So why should the meat pay more? Why should the meat pay more? Why why should the meat pay more than than its share than half? Ben Hananel explains, and this makes a lot of sense, that it's almost like there's two partners in this animal. This peace offering has two partners. The owner is going to eat the meat, and Hashem, who gets, gets the rest, the fats that you burn on the altar. So who, it's like two partners damage the animal. So I'm responsible, the owner is responsible for half, but his half. There's a part that the, the Hashem's animal damage and there's a part that my animal damage. I'm not responsible fully. So I should pay half of my share. So let's say the whole damage, the animal that was uh, killed was worth $200. If you pay in full, that's, that should be 100 Yeah, but, but my share was 150 The meat is worth 150 So I did damage of my, only a part of like. Even most of the animal belongs to me and the damage. But that's my part. So I'm going to pay. I should pay not the full damage. Part of the damage was done by Hashem. Hashem is animal. That part doesn't, you know, you can't take Hashem to court. He's not going to pay anything. So I have to pay. So I shouldn't pay the full hundred. I should pay half of what my, the meat of the animal is worth. If it was 150, I'll only pay 75. This is the Allah, and the damage gets to eat the leftover meat of the peace offering. You have to eat in Yerushalayim, you have to eat it in purity. And he doesn't eat the full half, he doesn't make up the full half. He gets half of what the meat was worth, even if it's less than the half of the damage. Yeah. But Rabbi says, what if Toidosh is Zikon? What if an uh, animal's been designated as a Thanksgiving offering? And it was innocent the first three times. And it's eek, it gored, it pushed, it, it, it damaged. And you have to pay half only from, the, from itself. So the damage he gets to eat from the meat. And if it's not enough to pay for half of the damage, the damage he loses out. You can't also collect from the breads that accompany the Thanksgiving offering. Only from the body of the animal itself and the parts that are eaten. Obviously, why, why would I think you can eat from the bread? We know that at a that time you only pay the damages from the body of the animal itself. The bread has nothing to do with the damage. Your mother says, I need this for what he says at the end. The chiddush is innovation is what he said at the end. At what? And nizik oichel habasar. He eats umiskaper, maybe lecha. That the damage eats the meat after you after you offer the parts of the animal on the altar, the, the Thanksgiving offering. 
and the damager eats the meat. And the one, the owner of, this, of the sacrifice, who's, who's being atoned, brings the 40 breads. Even though that he's not going to eat the meat. Why not? Obviously, why, why would I think the damage should bring the bread just because he's eating the meat? But it says, yeah, Malteim, I would think even the Lechem Achshed of the Zevachum, the bread is what qualifies the sacrifice from being a sacrifice. So in order for him, to, the damage to eat the meat, he should be, may be required to also bring the bread because I can't bring, he, he won't be able to eat the meat unless he brings, unless the bread is brought. You're eating the meat. I should bring the bread. That's what Rav is coming to teach me. The lechem here with the bailamud, the responsibility of bringing the bread is on the owner, even though he doesn't get to eat the meat. Okay, we learn now Mishnah. You're only responsible. Answer your question only if you if you're. If your property damages property that belongs to a Jew. The Muti Mai, what's he coming to exclude? That if your property does damage, your access damage to a non Jew's property, you're exempt. It's an open Mishnah later on in the track that an axe of a Jew that gores an axe of a non Jew is exempt. Why does the Mishnah have to say it twice? Teach us the same law, the one answers. Our mission is just saying it briefly. And then he explains it, he clarifies it. That's, that's why the Mishnah later on elaborates. It's only if it's one way, if the Jews ask scores the non-Jews ask, the Jews exempt. But if the non-Jews ask scores the Jews ask, you're liable. Because then we, we do our laws. We're not following your law. You're responsible. We hold you responsible for your acts. You're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're living with us. You're going to pay. You're going to follow our laws. But uh, but you, I'm not. You know, I'm not going to treat you better than you treat yourself. You don't consider the person responsible, so I won't either. It says in the Mishnah that the obligation to pay for the damages of your property is only. If it's not ownerless, it belongs. There's an owner. He's coming to exclude. If you have an argument, this one says that your axe is the one who gores, and the other one says no, it's your axe that gores. So the Mishnah says either of them are exempt. Both of them are exempt. Because as long as there's a doubt, it has to be specific. We know specifically who's responsible. There shouldn't be any doubt. We know for certain. We learned this already also in the Mishnah later on in the tract. There were two oxen belonging to two different people who were chasing after an ox. This poor ox. And, one, and then we find the ox who was chased is dead. This one argues, your ox did it. This one says, your ox. They're both exams. So we see, we already learned this halacha. What answers, Tani? 
how the Mefarish? First he learns it in brief, and then he explains it, he clarifies it. Because over there, because over there he clarifies that it's only if both of them say for certain. There he's saying that there I would think only if if he claims I know for sure it's your ox. And the other one says, No, I know for sure it's your ox. Then I would say he's exempt. Our mission is saying, even if they don't know for sure, we weren't there. I don't know what happened. Maybe it's your ox. Maybe it's your ox. Still as long as, as long as we don't know for certain that it did the gore, they're both exempt. Our mission comes to exclude ownerless property. So your mother says, hey, what are we talking about? If you're going to want to say, the Mayaks, an ownerless ox, of course he's exempt. Who's exactly demanding payment? It's ownerless. Who do I have to pay to? Hello, you must say, rather, you must say, the Hefker. The axe that's ownerless, gore, literally done to my axe. So if that's the case, laser will lace it. What's stopping you? You want to get paid? Go grab the axe, it's ownerless. Grab the axe, and, and that's your payment. What's stopping you? What do you mean, obligated, not obligated? What do you mean, you're exempt? Who's stopping you? Go, go and get paid. The mother answers, the bishop is talking about. Before he had a chance to grab the axe, someone went ahead and took possession of the axe. So now it's not ownerless. Now he can't just grab it. It belongs to someone. He had a right. It was an ownerless and he took it. So the question is, could he get payment from this axe? This is, I know for sure. This is the axe that gored my axe. You grab possession of it, fine. But I have to pay. You have to pay. The mission is saying, no. Since at the time of the damage. Since at the time of the damage, it was ownerless. So therefore, you can't collect from it. Avino Amaravin explains our mission differently. Muti comes to exclude the If the ownerless acts gourd, he says that's what the mission means. That's what the mission means. Minchasim amichadim. And if the owner was owned by Axe, it wasn't ownerless, it was owned by, we're not talking about ownerless, it was owned by an owner, but then, after the Axe, his Axe gourd, he went ahead and sanctified it to the temple. Temple treasury was a sacrifice. Or in a case, when Nagavachach Hifke, it gourd, and then he made it ownerless. So we're saying that the damager is exempt. Because it has to belong to him. When he's demanding payment, when the damagee is demanding payment, that axe, that court can say, you only pay from that axe. So as long as he has that axe, he no longer has it. He made it ownerless, it's no longer mine. I don't have a penny, this axe is not mine. Or I gave it away to the temple. I donated it, so it's not mine. So there's, there's, there's nothing to collect from. And I'm also in the Braise supporting Ravina's interpretation. It says in the Braise, yes, okay, in a bigger innovation. Even if my axe gored and killed a person, 
and Machag Hiktish, and then the owner gave it away, the donation to the temple. Or Naga Hivgir, or it gored and killed the person, and then he made it on a list. But the axe is exempt from being stoned for killing a person. The owner is exempt from paying the koifer. Shemem it says the atonement. Shemem it says if he gored it, if it was the fourth time already. Shemem it says v'hu el bevala v'heimidish. Actually, misav amadu bedim shavin keachad. That it says ba'alav, he will be worn with his owners. V'heimidish. Then you you put the stone you stone the the ox. And the owner also has to pay, has to put to death, which means he has to pay an atonement. So we see that even, even when he's being worn, and even when he's being stoned, there's owners. The axe is owned. It has to belong to the person. But if he makes it ownerless, he gives us the temple treasury, then you don't stone the, the axe, and the owner doesn't have to pay, doesn't have to pay the kaif. The Gemara has Don't you also need that even when the court sentences the ox, it also has to belong? It's that pasik. It says Ba'olav Yumas. So Ba'olav means that even when the ox is gore is stoned as a punishment. It, 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 there's an owner. It has an owner. Yes, you're right. It has to be. There has to be an owner. There has to be an owner when the ox killed killed the person. When the ox is being sentenced, and when the and uh, and uh, when the ox is being brought to court, and when the ox is sentenced. So the Brayse supports the opinion. That's what it means. That it has to be miyuchedes means it has to have an owner. Okay, it says in the Mishnah, any time, any situation where your axe does damage, you're obligated, except if you bring your axe into my property, my private property, and then my axe gored your axe, who gave you permission to enter. In New York City, of course, you're liable. Someone comes to your house and he slips. It will probably jail you. You go to jail. But in the same, that's in Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the city we're living in. But in the same legal, moral, ethical society, if you trespass on my property without permission, your animal trespasses on my permission. Any damage that comes to the animal, I'm exempt. You have no permission to be here. But explains because Amalei the damager says to the damagee, my boy, yeah, my animal didn't uh, didn't wasn't nice. He gored your animal, but who who gave you a right to be here? Don't come to my property. You, you're an illegal immigrant, and then you're complaining. Who gave you a right to be here? Don't come. Don't, you have no right being here. So no matter what happens, what do you want from my life? I'm not responsible. It says now Mishnah. Permission to be there if the damagee and the damager 
both have permission to be there and the animals have permission to be there, then the damager is responsible. If you have a courtyard that belongs to two people, one animal's one partner's animal gore the other partner's animal. They both have a right to be there and to have their animals there. If if the animal ate the fruit or he trampled he's, no he's liable even though it says you go to a different field meaning you go to someone else's field holds, it means it's only coming to exempt a public domain public domain animals have a right to be there and to walk and you can expect them to trample so it's the onus is on the owner of the fruits to watch his fruits or your groceries, you left your groceries on the street and then you're wondering if the animal is helping himself to your delicious groceries. <laughs> you're responding, it's not the owner. So that's what he's coming to exclude. But if it's a private domain that belongs to two people, then the owner is obligated. He should have watched his animal and make sure that he doesn't eat the fruits of his partner. Or trample in his partner's uh, come, And this is what the Mishnah means. The only time the damager is exempt if, if it's exclusively my property. The damager's property. And then you, uh, your axe went into my property, then I'm exempt. We have no permission to be here. But if it belongs to both of them, they're partners, then you're obligated on all the damages, including eating and then shane and regal and tramp. Abelazar argues and Abchizde and he says, He says, No. Even in this case, he also exempted. It's just like a public domain. The Torah says, Only if your animal goes and roams in someone else's field. He can't call this someone else's field. A private field. It's not a private field. It's jointly owned. So my animal has a right to trample, to walk, and you can expect he's going to trample. My right as an animal to be here and he's going to eat and snack and munch. So it's your responsibility to watch. Is what the Mishnah means. And the same thing, it's a continuation. Just like if it exclusively belongs to the Mazik. So you're exempt, he's exempt if, if any damages that happens in his exclusively owned field. The same thing is if it's a partner, if it's a field that's owned, owned jointly. In the damager and the damagee, also the Nami Pati is also exempt. From Shane and Deck. Not from other things, from Shane and Deck. That's what he means. And when he says, and if he does damage, the damager is responsible. He means to say, that, that in the case, in the case of a jointly owned field, then he's obligated to pay Ken. He's not coming to teach me he has to pay the best. He's coming to teach me that in the case of a joint property and one partner's acts gores the other partner's acts, you're liable. That you're liable. Because he can't say who gave you permission to be here. What do you mean? That we're jointly owned. Of course I have permission to be here. And you have to make sure your axe is not a wild animal. You shouldn't gore people. You shouldn't gore other acts. But for Shane and Egel, no. 
that he's exempt. Even if the ox is exempt, says Hanicha, this is all good. The Shmuel, according to Shmuel, who says that Shoyer is referring to the damages of Shein and Regal, uh, of Regal. That's what the mission has to add, the Kedr. Elerav, the Amratan of Shoyer, the Shoyer includes all the damages of Shoyer, Kedr, Goring, as well as Shein and Regal. So I already know the, the liability of, of, of Nezek. So Chava Mazik Asuyimai, what's he coming to add? Chava Mazik. Oh, he's a Chava Mazik is coming for the first time to teach me the liability of Kedon and Gorin. So that's all good according to Shmuel. But the Mishnah didn't yet mention the, the Kedon. That's what that's what he's saying at the end. The shehizik when he does damage, chava mazik. The damager is liable. But according to the Abu says shoyer already includes the damages. What's he, Karen, What's he coming to teach me? What answers he coming last week? Coming to teach me the Tanurabon. What the rabbis learned, the brayz, and our mishnah shehizik chava mazik. When you do damage, the mazik is liable. Lahavi is coming to add sheimachinam vashel nisachavaseicha. A bailey, you're doing it for free, you're getting paid, or the renter. Or the borrower who took upon themselves the responsibility to watch your animal. While you were watching, while it was in your possession, the animal went and did damage. So the din says, If he's a tam, he's goring. First three times he only pays half. If he's a muid, he already gored three times. The fourth time he has to pay the full damage. Difference of Balilo. If the wall just broke down in the middle of the night by accident, there was no negligence. No negligence. What? Honest. Oh, you should put to a list him or thieves came and broke down the wall. Be also saw an animal went with Zika part. He's an idol. So that's what he's coming to add. Peace, I'm a ma. The master says, he's a chavamaz. It says, he's a chavamaz. It says in the mission, he's a. When your animal does damage, the damager is responsible. Lahavi is coming to add, he's coming, he's adding, that while you were watching the animal, they were in your possession of the bailey or the renter or the borrower, the animal went and did damage. Hey, Chadami, how is this? What are we talking about over here? If you're going to say, ask the to the marshal, tell you to show you that the, da- the animal of the lender. The damage uh, the animal that that he borrowed the borrower. So what are you what are you telling me that the lender has to pay? If it did damage to any other axe, you would have to pay, right? Because you have to make sure that it shouldn't be damaged. But the distinction between the uh, 
Paid Shomer, unpaid Shomer, renter, and a borrower. No, no, in this case, there's no difference. And that animal that was in your possession went ahead and did damage. So again, who did damage to? If the lender, the owner of the axe, his axe, another axe, did damage to this axe, she says, if you damaged anyone else, you would have to pay. How should the hospital tell you? Your animal did damage to your own animal. I should pay. The owner. The same owner who, who lent the animal, who gave the, who rented the animal. So he has two axes. One axe he lent out or he rented. His other axe went and, and got the other axe. So he says, if you, if you did it to someone else, you would have to pay. Now you're telling me you did, he gored your own axe. You're telling me I have to pay because I'm watching it. Hello. That's a very good, interesting question. Yeah, but it's, not, it's simple. Obviously, he doesn't have to pay a, a penny. Hello. The Bryce, rather, the Bryce means ask it to the destroyer to the marshal. Yes, both oxen belong to the owner, but the axe that I'm guarding, I'm watching went ahead and gored another axe of the owner. That's the question. Right? So again, let him say to him, the lender should say to the borrower, if my axe was damaged by any other axe from another person, you would have to pay, right? Your axe went ahead and gored someone else's axe. You're responsible. No, if, if someone else came, someone else's axe came and destroyed destroyed my axe that I lent you, you would be responsible for pay. Because you're a borrower, you're obligated even for accidents, even for illness, whatever happens. I should ask it to the dog now that your axe went ahead and did damage. Your axe damaged my axe. Surely, you're only going to pay me half. You have to pay me the full damage. Like any other borrower, anything happens to this animal, you have to make me whole. Because your animal damaged my animal that you're watching. And it, yeah, it was a tam, you're only going to pay me half. If someone else's animal came, no matter what happened, and killed my animal, you would have to pay full. Because you're responsible for watching. You took responsibility to watch my animal. You have to restore my animal whole. You're a borrower and I'm the lender. So just because your own axe came and, and go that, you only want to pay half. So you might answer late long. So, so what's, which case are you talking about? How could you say it's coming to add that the damager has to pay? It's talking about the, the, the borrower. It was a Leyland asking to the marshal to the show. The axe of the lender gored his own axe that he gave to the borrower. Yeah, so that's the case. You should be exempt. The lender should be exempt. Because it's your responsibility. If someone else's axe came and gored, if if my axe gored someone else, right? If you're watching an axe, and my axe gored a different axe that you were watching. 
you would have to pay, right? Because you are responsible for watching my ox. So just because my ox gored my own ox, I should pay. You're also responsible to pay. Either way, you're responsible to pay. There's no scenario, there's no scenario where you say that the damager has to pay. You have to pay. You're responsible. You didn't watch it. They might say, we're talking about that the lender's ox gored the ox that he lent out. No, on the contrary. That's the Marshall Tudor to show you. Okay, so the mother asked like this. What are we talking about? If we're talking about that the axe that he lent, the axe that he lent, the axe that was borrowed, went ahead and gored another axe. Yeah, one of his other axes, the borrower. She says... If my axe would go someone else's, right? You would have to pay, right? Because you're watching my axe. My watching means make sure that it doesn't... Borrower is responsible for everything. But we're talking about borrower. He says everything. He says including borrower. So let's talk about borrowing. He said, he said borrowing. So if you paid him full, so anything that happens, you take full responsibility. You have to watch my axe. It shouldn't go. It shouldn't go and and go somewhere else. So if my axe that you borrowed went and you gored someone else, you would be liable. You'd be responsible. You didn't watch it. So if my axe gores your axe, you should pay. You should watch your own. You should watch the axe. Make sure it doesn't gore anyone. If you're responsible, it shouldn't gore someone else's axe. It's your responsibility. If it gores your own axe, why didn't you watch it? You should have protected. You should have protected your other axe from my axe. So I don't have to pay. Any. If, on the other hand, if one of the oxen of the borrower gored my ox that I lend to you, he says, if someone else's ox came and gored my ox, who would be responsible? You would be responsible. Because you have to watch my ox, it shouldn't get hurt. Now that your ox gored, how much more so you have to pay? Not me. You didn't watch my ox. You have to pay me in full. So you might answer is really we're talking about the axe that he borrowed went ahead and, and gored one of the other axes of the borrowers. Ah, you asked earlier, he should be exempt because he should have watched and made sure the axe didn't gore. Just like you have to watch and make sure the axe doesn't gore someone else's axe. You should have watched the axe that shouldn't gore your own axe. But how come I see we're talking about over here in a case? He accepted upon himself to make sure that the axe will not be gored by others. He didn't, make, he didn't take responsibility the axe is not going to go and gore someone else. I take responsibility that I am going to make sure the axe will remain whole. No one, I'm going to watch, no one can come and hurt your axe. But I'm not taking responsibility, I'm not going to watch it to make sure it shouldn't hurt any other axe. It's a wild axe. I'm not taking responsibility. That's a big presumption. So the mother says, if that's the case, we're in 14A, if that's the case, 
if we're talking about a case where the borrower only took partial responsibility, I'm taking responsibility to return to you the ox whole. I'm not going to let any damage happen to your ox. But I'm not taking responsibility to watch like a hawk to make sure that your ox doesn't go and hurt someone else. Yeah, I mean, you can make any condition you want when it comes to money. That was his condition. Any condition. And you agreed. And you agreed. They both agree. Right, because that, that, that's a prohibition, the Torah. But, but the, the, any financial where there's no prohibition, you can make any conditions you want. But if that's the case, aim a safer, look at the end of the price. It says, Nifrita Balai, if the wall broke down, or robbers went and, and broke down the wall, and the animal went out, Potter, then the borrower is exempt. So only in that case, because it was an accident, the wall broke down on its own, a robbers came and broke down the wall. But if it was during the day, why would it be chayev? If you said he made a condition, I'm not liable, I'm not responsible to watch your acts, which shouldn't go and damage others. I'm only taking responsibility that no damage should happen to your acts. This is what the b'raisa means. If it's a case where he did accept upon himself all responsibilities, in addition, not only that the, nothing will happen to the acts, but the acts will not do damage to anyone else. Shmidas Nezakov, Chayev, then he's liable, but Nifritz of a liable. Listen, it's an accident, Viyatsa. Even in that case, he's exempt. Everyone have a wonderful day.